Today on The Timmy Gibson Show, we'll be talking about dealing with your religious family. <laughs> Stay tuned for more. Hello, everybody. It's Timmy Gibson, your host here for The Timmy Gibson Show. Uh, number, what, six? <laughs> I uh, had some difficulty, some technical difficulty yesterday, and so... I'm glad to be able to come online today and make this particular episode. So, welcome. Hello, hello, hello. Glad. Thank you so much that you're, thank you for, I need more coffee. Hang on. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Thank you for joining me today for a subject that I think, um, Probably affects most everyone. You know, I'm in the wedding business. I do anywhere from 50 to 70 weddings a year. I, ne I need to probably count them to be able to know for sure, but I know it's around 50 plus weddings. And I would say 80% of the couples that I meet with for premarital counseling um, mention, if not uh, this being a big deal but mention this at least on some level as an issue. And that is with religious parents, how to deal with religious parents. And we're living in such a, some people would say in such a secular society. Um, I don't know if that's the right word or not. I would just say that people are less religious and more spiritual nowadays and, and and maybe you're thinking, like, what does that mean, Timmy? What do you mean by that? Well, what I mean is that people are less likely to follow rules and rituals and dogma today than they were in years past. It, 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 it seems. Uh, of course, I can only re reference my own life coming from uh, a religious upbringing where it was, you know, strict. It was the no drinking, no smoking, no, you know, this and that and the other, and, you know, all these rules and things you don't do and you don't, you don't cuss and you don't do this and you don't do this. And then you do this and, and you go to this and you don't watch this kind of stuff. And you only watch this kind of stuff. And you only read this kind of stuff and you don't read this kind of stuff. It was a lot of do's and don'ts. And nowadays it seems that it's all just stuff uh, or all just uh, okay, for example, I, this popped into my head. When it comes to music, back when I was a kid, again, in the religious circles, there were there was Christian music, and then there was secular music, or in fact, really what they would call devil music. I lived through the era of the cassette tape burnings. Um you say, what in the world is that? Well, if you're if you're religious, you you probably remember this. If you're not religious, just sit down, grab your coffee, and let's talk about it. <laughs> so I remember as a kid in our youth group, there was a week-long um, revival-type service for the youth, for the teenagers. And the youth pastor was preaching about the evils of of rock and roll, the poisonous evils of rock and roll. This is back when also the backward masking was popular. 
and and that's where they would play music backwards and say that it was saying satanistic stuff that was getting into our minds unbeknownst to ourselves our children are being poisoned by this backward masking music with the messages that were put in there subliminally anyway <laughs> i remember um on this particular uh, it may have been a friday night or or whatever the end of the revival there was uh, these huge big like oil the metal trash cans there's like three or four of them out in the church parking lot and we were all told to bring all of our secular satan music cassettes and um throw them in the fire or throw them in the in the trash in the oil bins thing in those trash cans or whatever you call them and um Lighter fluid was put over the top of them, and then we would pray and then light it on fire. <laughs> it seems so ridiculous now. Actually, even saying it out loud, I'm like, should I even admit to this that I was a part of that? Uh, it's my past, right? It's a part of it's a part of my story, right? I think it it's actually what gives me such a perspective today. And you know, I get the concept of it, and I. If it sounds like I'm, I'm, um, oh, I don't know, blasting that. I, one, I am, I am blasting that. Uh, but, but I get, I, 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 even now today, I understand the concept because it's still something. The principle at the very, very core of the burning of that music, at the very core, I understand. You know what what we listen to. You know what what we watch what we read um influences us i mean it's 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 true i mean that's true i think everybody would everybody knows that everybody would recognize that everybody would even agree that that is true uh i know that for myself i'm heavily influenced by what i uh, listen to and watch hence the reason why i you know i, I there's certain things i just i don't do i don't there's certain kinds of music I really don't listen to very often. There's certain, like, I don't like, and, and no judgment for those that like this. And I mean, it sincerely, this is just, it's just not my thing. Um, but I, you know, I don't get into the horror type movies. Um, again, I don't mind a little thriller uh, for sure, but just for me, just me personally. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't like haunted houses. Uh, I don't like being scared. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but some people do. And so genuinely I, I say that, and I mean this sincerely, like I, I, to each his own, uh, that's just not my deal. But I, I say that to say that it, it is something that we all know. And that is that environment does impact us. You know, our, our environment does have a, an impact on us. So at the very core, I guess, of what they were doing back in those days where we would burn, burn that Satan music. I mean, it was all in an attempt to, to, you know, not defile our ears is, but, but the reality is it's, it, you know, rock music doesn't, doesn't defile us. I, I think it, I think music is more of an expression now, maybe, and this is up for debate probably, but to me, I don't know if music so much influences us as much as 
music is an expression of who we are and where we are and what we think. And does that make sense? Um, but then I think it can be, it can go both ways. Same with most things like porn, you know, is, is porn all bad? Well, I don't think it's all bad. Um, but can porn be bad? Yes. Yes. I, I almost would say that porn is like alcohol that in the right setting and in the right, uh, um, whatever, in the right environment, in the right setting with the right attitude, I think, uh, porn could be, uh, a helpful and even useful tool for creativity in the bedroom, for learning, for, uh, you know, learning new skills, um, of course, I, I really do. I, I think that that porn can be helpful, um, though, um, just like alcohol, uh, porn can be very destructive as well. And and there can be uh, an addiction uh, to porn. And just like there can be an addiction to alcohol or there can be addiction to Krispy Kreme or or whatever. I mean, you can you know, there's a, the reality is there are good and bad addictions. All right. So we're a little bit off topic. Back to dealing with religious parents. So what, how to handle religious parents? I'll I'll tell you, here's what I've learned. And I'll, I have come a long way in, in my understanding and dealings uh, with religious uh, parents. One is I, I love my parents. I respect my parents. Uh, they're precious. They mean well. Uh, they have good intentions, uh, so on and so forth. Just like all of you feel m- most likely about your parents, right? But what happens is, I, I think as, as a, I can only, and again, I can tell you from my perspective, I used to not handle it so well because what it felt like is that they were, you know, not approving of me or, um, they were judging me. Um, you know, they, they thought I was wrong. Um, all those things and, and, and they weren't happy with me. They were disappointed in what I was believing or whatever. And all those things are not good right now. The, the, the thing that I guess, and I even gotten into this discussion with with my parents before, but I said, guys, just because my, my religious beliefs are different than yours, like considerably different, it's not like I'm, I'm, I'm a serial killer and I'm out, you know, pillaging villages and, and murdering people, you know, so for you to be so disappointed in me over just religious beliefs. It, it just, didn't, it just didn't compute in my brain. You know, it was like, it, it would, it just made me mad. Anytime I was around my parents, I would just get irritated and mad because it was like, they were always preaching at me. They were always trying to, to correct me and to, to, to get me to have their perspective. Right. I mean, it was, it was clearly, and, and that's, that, that, that's a big deal to me in, in life in general. And you see it right now with, with, uh, all that's going on in in the world right now with COVID nineteen and just everything, the Black Lives Matter and the, everything everything that's going on right now. There, unfortunately, are like two distinct groups 
and they're so polarizing and one group feels that they're right and would, you know, demands everybody to believe and see like them. And if you don't see and believe like them, then you are just absolutely a despicable human. And you see this from the left and the right, you know, and it's very unfortunate. It's very unfortunate that, that, um, and, and the reason is because people think they're right, right? Like people that wear masks and think that you should wear masks think that they are absolutely 100% right, that, that, that it's not, this isn't a debate. It's a matter of right and wrong in their opinion. You know, to them, it's a matter of right and wrong. And so they are, of course, right in their um, position. Therefore, anyone that is not with them in that position gets shamed and ridiculed and demoralized and attacked and demeaned and all of that. And it's all, matter of fact, it, it you know, for me, coming out of a religious background, it, it's so religious superiority minded. And what's wild is this is coming from a not religious crowd, but they've become religious in their beliefs. They've become absolutely um, just religious. They, they, they've, it's like po politics have become a religion. It's the new religion, um, the religion of Republican, the religion of Democrat. And it's that same kind of self-righteous viewpoint that I'm right. And since I am right, your views, if not like mine, are wrong. And I'm going to shame you, demean you, and do whatever I can, whatever, to, to maybe to get you to reconsider, which is completely asinine. And it's the same thing, I think, when we, when we talk about parents, you know, our religious families, a lot of the weddings I do, there's this pressure, you know, on the couple to, to have some kind of Christian or religious element in their ceremony. And I always tell the couple, hey, listen, if, if you guys aren't religious, then, I mean, this is your wedding. I don't really care who's paying for the wedding. It's your wedding. So if you guys are religious, then, of course, put some religious stuff in there that reflects you guys. But if you're not religious, then, then, then the, 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 you know, don't feel any pressure to put any kind of religious um, – stuff in your, in your ceremony. So how to, how to handle, how to handle religious families, how to handle religious. So here's what I've learned. And that is I have, I can only deal with myself. I can only be in charge of myself. I can't be in charge of my, my family. And everybody has an opinion. Everybody has an, has a view. I have as of late have been just working on myself enough to where I just love my family regardless. And I, I don't get into debates with them. I don't, I, I don't fight with them as much anymore. Um, and if anything religious or political comes up, I just bow out, you know, I say, Hey guys, listen, you know, I, I know that we see we have different perspectives on this and you know you're not wanting to discuss this you're wanting you're wanting to you know preach at me and prove me wrong is what you think is going to happen 
In other words, it's it's it it's debates. I don't know. I've not maybe I've not watched enough debates. I really don't know necessarily what the purpose of a debate is, except for those in the audience, because those that are debating are so convinced. I don't. I, I don't even know if this, maybe this has happened. I don't think that it's ever happened. Maybe it has. I don't think anyone has been in a, in a debate and then by the end go, oh my gosh, I no longer am going to be an atheist. I am going to be a Christian. (laughs) I I don't think that that's happened. Um, Nor do I think someone in a debate has said, oh my gosh. I have believed in God all my life, and after this debate with this atheist, I am letting that go. Now, those in the audience, maybe, because typically those of us in the audience, we are going back and forth. You know, we are like, do I believe in God or not believe in God? Or do I think this or not think this? Or, you know, do I I see the point of the Republican, but I also see the point of the a Democrat. And I also see the point of this and I see the point of that. And then I think that's crazy. And I think that's crazy. Like I, I think as an audience member, that's to me, that's what I think a debate really, what, what that's how a, a debate serves us. I think it's for the audience to hear both sides, to hear the argument on both sides. But I think for the person that's in the debate, typically no one, no one likes to lose. And, you know, in a debate, there can be a winner and a loser. And really all that means is, you know, a winner, meaning someone that seemed to have more evidence or more logic or more reason or more proof or more tangible evidence that would convince someone to go, yep, that's, you know, whatever. But I think how debates work is the audience member, you know, here's, here's their side and here's the other person's side and just gets a greater understanding uh, and greater insights into their own personal journey of what, of what they think. And I, I, you know, I, I think there's, I, I feel like maybe there's not enough individual thinkers out there sometimes. Yeah. I feel like it's, it's like you have to join the club. You have to, you have to be on the right or on the left. You know, there's, you can't be in the middle. Um, you get crucified in the middle. It's, uh, you know, it's like if you're, yeah, it's like if, if you're in the middle, the, the right hates you and the left hates you. <laughs> it's like, you know, and, and I know this because I've tried so hard. Um, and it, what's wild is I've not tried hard to ride the middle to ride the middle. I've tried to just search for truth. Like, I don't care if it's Republican or Democrat. What resonates with me and what seems true? So, you know, when I talk about parents and, and the differing relationships that we have with our parents and how, you know, our parents can make us mad and upset. I I think you can only be offended if you allow something to offend you. Meaning what, what I've learned is I've had to take greater responsibility on how I feel, how I allow something to, to trigger me. And in times past, my family has always easily triggered me. You know, I was already, I already, I mean, I know because I was so religious early on, you know, I know that I have ventured quite a ways from the way I was raised. And I know that, you know, my family, um, 
thinks I'm wrong. And, and so I already have that as a underpinning of anytime I'm around them, I know what they think. And I know what they think because I used to think that way about people like me. <laughs> you know, I, I remember being that self-righteous. I have the answers. I know the truth. I have the correct interpretation of ancient scriptures. Therefore, um, yeah. So, so I remember how I used to think. I remember the how the 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 judgment, you know. And so, I I probably um, put more of that, more of the feeling that I get from my family. To be honest, is really more me. You know, I think it's more me. It's more my perception. It's more my my position, right? And I, and I think that about a lot of things. I mean, I think that a lot about a lot of things. I even think that as it relates to to race, uh, racism. I think um, some people recognize racism or feel the effects of racism more than others. Um, and I think that goes back to the individual. You know, I did a I did a podcast or a YouTube interview with one of my friends who's black. His name's Ty Brown. I did a, a YouTube. Uh, interview with him, which you you ought to go look it up. I think you'd like it. Just look up Timmy Gibson and scroll down and you'll see it. And, you know, when I talked to Ty, Ty about racism, you know, he um, hasn't, hasn't felt now he's felt it a little, but he said he hasn't, he hasn't felt uh, like he's been, you know, held back by his race. Um, that, you know, yeah, maybe he had to put a little bit more effort in, um, of course, to overcome, you know, some racial challenges. Um, but then there are other people that just, you know, scream um, racism. So, you know, a lot of a lot of that, I think, is perspective. You know, if, if I have a chip on my shoulder already, then I'm going to perceive things differently than if I, if I don't have a chip on my shoulder. So I, I think that's the, when I think about dealing with family, especially, you know, religious families, I, I think the, res- well, I don't think the responsibility is on, on ourselves. It's on you. It's on me. It, it's not about the family. It's about how I receive the family about how I, um, how I take what they say and and not read into it. You know, it's almost like a, um, you know, like a like a. Have you ever have you ever uh, thought something about somebody, and you kind of, you know, anytime they even open their mouth, you were just like, oh brother, you know, like like that, whatever that's called. I don't know what that's called, but you know, where you just kind of, it's like your boss. Let's say if you don't like your boss, you know, it's it's like anything he says or she says, you're just like. Oh, brother, you know, it's like anything they say, it's just stupid, right? It just, it's just stupid. It's what you think. Well, then maybe you get to know them and you get to understand them better. And, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, they're not, they're not stupid and they don't mean harm. That's just part of their personality or, you know what I mean? Like you, you get to know someone and then you, you, you interpret what they say differently, which reminds me there's a, there's a movie and I can't think of the name of the movie right now. Um, oh, I'd look it up, but it would it, I'd be him hawing around here online while I look it up. But it, it is on Netflix. And and basically it's like some kind of 
Bill and this isn't right. I can't think of the title of the the show, but the concept of the movie is there's these hillbilly backwoodsy brothers, and then there's these teenage or college age kids going on a camping trip. And these two groups cross each other's paths. And the whole movie is all about the perception of one group of the other. And as the movie watcher, as the person watching the movie, you can see the reality of each group. But in the movie, they paint the picture so that you see the perception that the one group has of the other. Does that make sense? So what I'm saying is, so these two hillbilly brothers are these just dumb, goofy guys, and they're seeing these college-age kids as crazy psycho killers. That's, that's their perception. Well, then the, the reality, you know, the movie shows you that, no, the, the, the college kids are just scared, just scared college kids reacting to their perception of the two hillbilly guys. The two hillbilly guys are backwoodsy serial killers. So the so the college students' perception of the two backwoodsy guys is that they're crazy killers. And vice does that make sense? So each the movie does such a great job of allowing you to see through the eyes of the college student and how they're viewing the hillbillies and the you get a good view of how the hillbillies see the college students. And then the third view is the real view that you get as the movie watcher realizing, Oh my gosh, they're totally seeing them in the wrong light. They're not bad people. They're scared. And, and, but that, does that make sense? Anyway, it's a, it's a really powerful, it's actually a, it's like such a goofy movie, Uh, but it's funny, but it's also got a powerful message on, perception and you know people people say perception is reality i don't believe that it is perception is perceived reality of course it's not reality anyway but the perception is powerful it's very powerful so when i think about dealing with religious families you know your perception of your family uh carries a lot of weight too and so it's important to not only uh, adjust your perception of your parents or your family members who are religious and just chalk it up to. So finally, what I've done personally is I realized, you know what? My parents are very kind, caring, loving people, and they are communicating their religious beliefs from a place of love. And here's the thing, just because you are sincere and have love in your heart and your motive is pure, it, it doesn't mean that you're right. That's the, that's the thing is that you can be sincere and yet sincerely wrong, right? I mean, you, 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 you can be motivated by what you feel is the truth and you can be genuinely, uh, from a heart of love being moved, like you're moved by this love or this concern or this whatever, but that doesn't make it right. (laughs) Like that doesn't make it then the the gospel absolute universal truth all it means is that for you it it feels as though it is absolutely true um but 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 the reality is it's it's well it's it's not but it it, it is to you therefore 
um, that's how it can be so, um, you know, genuine, if you will. But again, even genuine doesn't make it um, true. So finally, at the end of this this little podcast today, um, how to deal with religious families. It's really about you just finding common ground, maybe having some boundaries, saying, hey, listen, we're not going to talk about religion or, or politics. Um, and then setting your heart and mind to understand, hey, that's just my family. You know, they're loving, caring, kind people. It's just what they believe. And, you know, let, let them be heard. Um, but, but here's the thing that I think that always keep in mind. You don't have to alter your beliefs because of someone else. So when someone else in your mind is threatening you or, or attacking your beliefs, here's the thing I want you to get most of all about everything I've said, really the most important is this last minute here. And that is what's most important for you is to be secure in your own beliefs and realize that you are just a person with beliefs. You are not your beliefs. So, and, and you don't need to convince your, your family of that. You just need to be convinced of it yourself so that when you're dealing with religious family and they're attacking your beliefs, you, you, they're not attacking you, they're attacking your beliefs. So it's important to separate yourself from your beliefs. You are not your beliefs. You are you and you have beliefs. Therefore, when someone attacks your beliefs, you can have a conversation, you can do whatever you need to do, but it's it's not you that they're attacking. They're attacking your beliefs. So I hope you have a fantastic day. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Make sure to follow me. Guys, peace.